Welcome everybody back to the Female Footballers Podcast. My name is Cassie Gray. I'm your host. And this week I am joined by Rachel Thomas, Haley Lucas, and Rachel Mercik on our staff. And we're just going to discuss something that, you know, trying to be relevant and um, and what's going on in the world. You know, this morning we were excited to hear about the women's national team and the equal pay lawsuit being finalized with the 24 million uh, money coming in. We could easily discuss that, but I think our feelings are more like, woohoo, we're super excited. Um, not as much to discuss there. Um, as we were scrolling through our feeds this morning, seeing that we came across a question from the Soccer Girl Problems uh, Instagram page, and it, it started a discussion in our meeting that we felt like uh, was fascinating, that we might all have some different opinions on, and we want your opinions as well. So please feel free to comment when you hear this. Um, so the question is, and this kind of comes up with this past week's women's national team game when they played in the She Believes Cup against New Zealand, they won 5-0. Three of those goals were own goals on New Zealand's side. And um, the question is, if your team is winning 5-0, and even in that case, three of those are own goals, how do you respond as a team? We have two choices here. Are you the A or B? A would be, you're winning 5-0 as a courtesy, you back off, you play possession, you kind of challenge your own team to only score on a header or a volley, or you only can have one touch passes, whatever it might be. That's one option. Um, B would be you just continue playing the game as you were, scoring goals, you don't hold back. This brings up the thought of the 13-0 uh, World Cup win by the United States against Thailand in the 2019 World Cup. Um, I think we all, we could have similar perspectives. We might have different perspectives. So I would love to hear your guys' thoughts. Um, so by all means, let me know and I'll let you know mine kind of last. <laughs> what do you guys think, A or B? I think like, uh, I saw just some of the comments. I didn't read all of them on the post, but um, you know, there's, there's argument for both um, and certainly depending on the level, um, which is why I think bringing up the Thailand game is, is an important thing to say, because this is the highest level <laughs> and they certainly went with B. Um, so I don't know that I can speak to that because I've never played or coached at that level, um, but I ca can speak to the youth level. And um, one of the differences that I see like in the different sports that I've coached, soccer in particular, you know, so much of the coaching is done at practice and you don't, you don't, you can do some manipulation in the game, but it's really, you get halftime to talk to them and then, the end, you know, pregame halftime, and then the end of the game. And then you can have individual conversations with players that you're subbing, or maybe you can talk to like, you know, a couple players, but in other sports, you can call timeouts and you can, create this challenge for them right then and there and say, look, and in, in a lot of the sports that I've coached, there are mitigating um, uh, levels, right? You get to what well, in basketball, for example, like there's 10, you have a 10 point lead in the league that I coach in. You cannot full court press anymore, right? You have to pull the, the press off. But when you get to high school, that's not how it is. So then it becomes your coaching reputation because as you know, Cass, Mitty around here is a, is a girls pow basketball powerhouse and they blow teams out. I mean, blow them out. And 
And that's a, you know, I mean, that's what they do. And they do call off their press, like at a certain point, maybe 20 point or things like that. But it's just, I think as the coach, you're, especially when there are those blowouts, it's not good for either team. And so you do need to try to help develop their, the next skill, like, okay, this opponent isn't challenging you with this type of play. So let's challenge you then let's try to use your off foot or whatever they're at, you know, just moving them to the next level, just like in teaching how we would do that too. We wouldn't just keep giving them this, you know, their five, their multiplication facts for fives when they can do it super fast, we would say, okay, let's move it, you know, let's make it, give them a challenge. So I think there's room for that. Um, most definitely in the youth, youth level, um, which I know is fairly obvious. And I would hope that there aren't like youth coaches out there just like hammering other teams like down their throat because that especially for their their feeling about their game about the game um whether it's fun or not is is going to be impacted if they're getting like just crushed every single time they play you um so that's my thought what about you Haley? um i agree i think it depends on the level um at the higher professional levels, I still like, I've been on teams where we do blow teams out and I personally don't love it. Um, especially when the message from the coach is like, keep going when it is eight zero. Um, and, but I also do not agree with like play keep away from another team that feels kind of patronizing. Um, so more in the vo the boat of B at the highest level, definitely. Um, a big thing I think is you should definitely be giving time to the players who maybe don't see the field as much, which I think is important. And a lot of times that doesn't happen. Um, they just kind of keep the starting lineup in for whatever reason. So I would be in favor of definitely making sure that players, young players, um, less experienced players are getting time in those situations. Um, and then teams I grew up on, uh, especially at Mustang, we were the most dominant in our area and we would kind of crush teams. And our coach was more the mindset of, okay, you have to get this many passes before you can score a goal. And it wasn't like, he's not yelling that from the sidelines or anything like that, but it wasn't like we were just playing. I mean, there was one game where it was kind of like that. Cause the team like stopped trying the other team, but it was like just providing more um, challenges for us to kind of get to goal. And if we were in front of the goal, we weren't going to pass it backwards and do something like that. That would um, be very clear what our intentions were. But yeah, I think at the youngest level, um, there's no reason to do that kind of stuff. Um, Cause it is as for young athletes who haven't developed that kind of mental toughness, so to say yet, it can be demoralizing and it kind of sets up in, a competitiveness in the winning team that maybe is not something that we are necessarily striving for um, and kind of losing sight of what the sport is about and what our goals are. Yeah, that's the hard part for me. Um, so obviously a lot of the comments on that post were youth players shouldn't do run the score up, right? And that's actually, there's a, um, in comp soccer in this area, there is a rule for that it's called the uh what is it called um why am i blinking rachel do you know um is it the slaughter rule maybe it's called that um anyways yeah if you go over a certain amount they i think it's seven if it's seven zero um they'll actually take a point away so if you get up to eight zero um they'll cut you down it'll like you can't go higher or something like that 
Um, and I think that's important because the goal at the youth level is we're teaching uh, sportsmanship skills, right? What bothers me is that that completely flips um, as an adult in a way. Like it feels like at what age does is it now okay to do that? And I also think it's very American uh, to feel like we don't want to patronize them, which I get. I agree in a way, but I also feel like as Americans, like have we at our national team levels, have we been on the other side of that ever? And if so, how would we feel if we lost 13-0? Cause I could see a ton of Americans all of a sudden flipping the switch and being like, that's so messed up. They should have stopped, but you know, like, I don't know. Like, I just feel like we have always had this winning program and winning is everything in America. So it's like, that's our stance, but like, we haven't been on the receiving end a lot. And I do feel like even at the youth level um, and even at the high school level, it's like you said, Rachel, with MIDI, I mean, in the soccer world, same thing. There's some powerhouse soccer high school level teams or ECNL teams that always kill everybody. And it's sort of like when those people are on the receiving end and they lose, their vibe is definitely like, well, that's messed up. Why why'd they have to run the score up kind of. And it's sort of like you can't have both. So what I'm getting at is I have a harder time with it. When we won 13-0, I had a hard time with that. I also, um, I got to sit after that win in a room with Jill Ellis and listen to her talk about that game. And me and Jackie, who's uh, part of our staff, um, we both had a hard time listening to her talk about how she encouraged, Car uh, who was it, was it Alex or Carly, uh, to celebrate a lot too. And I don't know if that's a generational thing, if it's that I am more in the youth world. And so that's what matters more to me. Um, but there was a whole slew of men in that room who were like, yeah. And something about it made me feel dirty. I didn't like that that was the mentality. Um, I would love to hear from Miranda Niles on this topic, having she was a player on the Thai national team who was in that game and, and lost 13-0. Would love to hear her perspective on it. Um, we should have her on sometime and ask her. We've had her on this and uh, some of our college meetings and stuff like that, but I would love to know her perspective on that because um, I, I don't know. I, I know as a player when we've lost by a bunch, it doesn't feel good. Um, you already know you're losing. And as a coach and Rachel, I agree with you too. Like as a teacher, I always equate it to the classroom. Like, yeah, you, you want to challenge your players. So I think what you said, Haley, is pretty spot on. Like, I think as a coach, you need to have like a set thing in place ahead of time to let your players know. So you're not screaming from the sidelines um, that they know that they need to just possess or that there's a challenge that comes next when you get to a certain amount. Um, I think that's important. Sorry, my dog just barged in. Um, and so, um, uh, and so I'm just sort of like, I, I think that it's important to have that notion, you know, like um, that the, the team knows what needs to happen. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm too soft. I often think I'm too fair and idealistic and it's not the real world. So love to hear what you guys think the opposing side would say too. Or Merce, if you have any thoughts. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's coaches who are just like, well, this is the, this is the point of the game, you know, so score as many as you can and, and the other, not let the other team score any. And so, you know, um, 
I, I don't know. I don't know if it's a generational thing. I mean, I think there is something to that, but um, just because of the culture, but like you said, I'm curious, like when the, when the um, switch flips um, and, you know, is that in high school? I mean, we see it um, certainly in high school sports and that age. Um, I think going back to the um, tie game, I think what was the hardest thing to swallow about that wasn't necessarily that it was 13-0. I mean, that was kind of brutal. I mean, you're just feeling for these tie players, but was the celebration aspect of it. And, you know, so because I know they were trying to make a statement and a statement they did make. Um, but at the same time, like, what do I tell my 10 year old, you know, if she's watching that or when she's watching that and then she goes and, you know, well, I saw, you know, Alex and, and Megan celebrating their 12th and 13th and, you know, whatever goal, like, so that is kind of, cause, cause that gets into the sportsmanship thing. So that's the piece I think that um, of that particular situation that I'm not as, I don't know that it's being soft, Cassie. I think it's being like respectful of your opponent and their, you know, humanness. And just, I don't, it just it kind of seems, seems inhumane to just, you know, they're already down. <laughs> now you're dancing on top of them. So. Yeah. I think it's hard too, because I believe it was Mallory Pugh's first World Cup goal. So like, I understand that. And unfortunately it was like number 12 or 13. So like, that's unfortunate. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is. But it wasn't, it wasn't just that one. For sure. You know? And I totally agree with you because that as a coach, that's what I've tried to do, right? You, you get that player who like either hasn't gotten a goal or a bucket or whatever it is. And you're like, okay, we're, you know, play our game and put that player in the position to, to try to have that success and, and have that same experience. We were winning a lot. I think it was our fifth goal A player scored who had never scored ever first year playing soccer. And it was like such a great moment for her. And our team was really excited and the other coach got it like, but you know, so I, I, I agree. The Pew thing was a little, a little asterisk. Yeah. That was, go, ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to say it's when I've won by that much, I feel icky about it. And like some people may say the goal of the game is to score as many goals. I thought the goal of the game was to win the game. And that just means scoring more goals. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's a tough situation, especially at the time you had, you arguably could say that the U.S. women's national team is everyone's kind of catching up to them. But at the time they were like the best in the world on top of their game and you're playing against an opponent who has way less um, experience and it's just, yeah, it's, it's an interesting situation. It's, it's hard to, um, to kind of gravel with because yeah, you, you want them to kind of put their full effort out there. It is the women's national team. It is a kickoff of a world cup, but I agree that um, I wouldn't gloat in someone's face. If I was winning, I would kind of do it in a more um, respectful manner, but you know, so um, <clears throat> I'm going to try and talk this one through, but I have a lot of um, like layers and kind of where my head's at with the national team situation. And I know it kind of varies between age groups, but um, you know, it's, it's interesting because on the women's side, it almost goes to show 
the lack of funding and availability, again, the, the lack of equality that is present in the world um, through through women and men's soccer, because when there's a, a score, I mean, Manchester United, I don't know, this was like years ago, or, or Brazil, like they've lost 8-0, 8-1, 9-0, right? And we don't really look at it the same. And so I find it interesting too that it just, I think it hurts more because we know that if it was an equal playing field in terms of finances and and just like you said, experience, then it wouldn't hurt as much, you know, with this whole Thai U.S. national team thing. And so, I don't know, it's it's such an interesting conversation. I mean, I just to kind of go back to, I played in um, Cyprus for a couple of years and it's an interesting country because all these girls are really trying to get better, uh, <clears throat> but they're just not there yet. And so we would win games being the dominant team. I mean, there were some games we would, we, we would win, we would win 14-0. And, um, and I didn't like it personally, um, but also that's because I was a 27 year old playing against a 14 year old. So it was not, that made me feel icky when it comes to me getting crushed by a Swedish team, um, eight zero on the other hand, I did kind of see it in a different way because it was just a, a massive breakdown on our team and it sucked, but it was like, I don't know, it was a good way to see who was going to continue fighting till the end and who wasn't. Um, and yeah, so like I said, just kind of, I know it was kind of all over the place, but there's just a lot of layers that kind of go in it. There's a lot of, um, variables that I think really matter, um, in this situation. Yeah. I think bringing up the financial side is huge with the Thailand team, for sure. There's just the experience, the money, the level, all of it, but even take Friday's game, uh, or I'm sorry, no, I'm sorry. Sunday's game. Um, you have the women's national team with a really young squad and they play New Zealand. And unfortunately there was three own goals by New Zealand. That was brutal to watch. And, um, and it's interesting because Mallory Pugh scored a great goal and it was the, the fifth goal in, in 90 plus minutes. And that's somebody who hasn't really seen time or attention since the last game that we're talking about and knowing her story you're stoked for right you're like oh this is great for her like she's finally back in the lineup she's back in the team like she's worked her ass off for the last few years but it's also like scoring the fifth goal celebrating a team that like they they clearly had a lot of breakdowns with New Zealand but I I almost had like more empathy for Mallory like I was stoked for her than like the 13-0 and it's not too much different I mean five zero is different I guess but it was still like punishing a team that clearly had massive breakdowns and issues in their defensive area but like I don't know I I'm always I always approach things from a lens of a child perspective and I think Rachel what you said earlier really stuck with me and it's I think for me the biggest issue is the breakdown we have in America from the youth to the pro level. There has to be a more seamless trajectory of like what works and what doesn't. Like we are so, the fact that that's a, a, a fundamental difference that when you are a kid 13 and under, you are not allowed. It's the mercy rule, not the slaughter rule, by the way, to correct myself. Um, you're not allowed to go over 7-0. You have to let the other team score a goal if you want to score another goal. Like, so you've got, You've got that idea at the youth level, and then it completely flops and changes. 
as a parent watching these games, yeah, like how do you talk to your your kid about that? And then if it's the same issue I have in teaching, I know I always talk about it, but like I have a lot of kids who come to the classroom and the rule at school is if somebody hits you, you don't hit back. You walk away and you tell a grown up because if you hit back, you're both in trouble. It doesn't matter who started it. At home though, a lot of parents tell their kids, yeah, you defend yourself, you hit back. And that goes against the school policy. And I feel like this is very similar. It's like, we have some parents who are like, run that score up. You're here to like punish those players if they're not doing it, they don't have a good game. Like it's a game, like you score as many as you can. And then you have some that are like, no, it's mercy, but it's, everything is contradicting itself. And it's very frustrating. And I do think that plays a role. And the reason why we're talking about this today on our podcast is it plays a role in the mentality of a player and the mental stability and strength of a player. And I think that this is a topic that we need to figure out as a country and have a more seamless direction that that all goes together so that players aren't left confused and players aren't looked at soft or coaches aren't looked at soft if they do run the score up or vice versa. I just think that that's a big, it's a big part of the game that might just be in this one question, but it is more about, you know, how you approach a game mentally, you know, how you view um, deem success in a way. It's it's larger issues. I think also a challenge, a challenge is that as you move up in the competitiveness of the sport, your your ego has to grow. You have to believe that you are great and you have to believe that you are the best, right? Like that's what we we're trying to pull out our best. And, um, and that can be tough, like trying to figure out how to, to switch that off or not even switch it off, but and shift it. If you're in one of these games, you know, because there are some, we know those players who are just like innately, like they, they are just going to go hundred, 110%. I mean, you, and you want that all the time. So I think that's where it really comes into the, the coach or the teacher or whatever, to try to help, um, build this. It really is like, um, the empathy and the, the emotional side while still pushing them and they're developing them, you know? So it, it, it's a very tricky balance. And I think that, um, it's a challenge for coaches because you would never want to tell a kid to slow down or, you know, things like that. Um, and also, I, I think also when you, enter a game where you know you have that you are the superior opponent or the inferior like how you as a coach help your players um, prepare for those sorts of games you know um, going back to the midi thing with basketball my girls played at St. Francis and they have the midi talk like before just so like everyone knows and like make your goals for what that is I remember growing up we played a team and we lost to them all the time, like seven, zero, eight, zero, six, you know, for months and months, that's our years or whatever it was. And then finally, um, we scored on them one time and it was still, it was like five to one. It, tr- it slowly started getting better. Right. And then we played them in like indoor, which wasn't, you know, wasn't the league or whatever, but we ended up tying them and it was like, we won, you know, and then we ended up tying them in outdoor and things like that. So we did see this growth with that. Um, but I think that really comes to the, 
the art of the coach in helping your team prepare for when you're playing these situations. And sometimes you don't know because you've never played a team and you don't have a scouting report or whatever, but, um, or they're missing a player or whatever, or you're missing a player or whatever, a couple players. So um, you don't always know, but it, you know, there is that preparation and also preparing your player for like, you show up for every match, like with, you don't ever show up being like, oh, well, we're just playing this team and it's going to be, we're going to blow them out. Like it's, and that's the hard part of as a player and as a coach to make sure that you're, you're there no matter what you're, you're uh, presented with as your opposition. I think also the mental preparation slash the discussion coaches need to have with their teams when they're on that other side of the ball um, when they do lose in that situation, um, the coach's role can be very important in, um, help essentially helping them recover from that kind of situation. Um, and I, I think everyone needs not necessarily 13 zero, but everyone needs to be in that situation at some point, because I think when we're talking about, um, it feeling icky, it's because we've been in those positions and know how it feels um, to be in that position. But I also think that um, it can be very powerful in helping you grow in kind of that um, perseverance aspect. But uh, being able to kind of handle that and move forward makes those next losses or future setbacks much, much easier to work through. I also think that this is, um, as much as I don't want to say it, I do, I'm going to say it, it's a little controversial. Um, I do think there's a gender difference here. Um, I think if you talk to any male uh, in like the EPL, they're, they're going to completely disagree with everything we said. Like, I, I do think that it's a, a female side of the sport issue more than it is on the male side. Um, maybe I shouldn't say that, but I do think that, um, and I think when you're a male player and then you become a male coach and you coach female players, this is one of those things that the emotional sides of an athlete play a role. And those emotions are slightly different, uh, in stereotypically on each gender. And, and I hate to say that because I wish gender wasn't uh, a thing. To be honest, like I don't, I wish it wasn't, but I do think that um, one stereotypically, two statistically, the the way that girls internalize things, it's physically different than than boys, and I think that um, a lot of our research over the years has been about uh, the reason that we are female footballers and not just footballers as an organization is because there are some fundamental differences in the makeup of um, of some of those things where when it comes to how our brain handles different mental skills. And um, I think that it's also the level, the money, like you were saying, Merce, with um, the level and the money play a huge role. And I think that's why it is different at the youth level compared to the pro level. But I think it's also because the pro level here in America is so new compared to like the EPL. I mean, like we've, we're super new when it comes to all of this, but I do think it, it is, um, this is a why there are so many differences um, when, you, when you have 
coaches from different backgrounds. You know, like I recently talked to a female coach that she's from Brazil and her stance, I could imagine on this, I've never actually talked to her about it, but I can imagine her stance on this is, um, yeah, you run the score up. Like that's, it's a game and it's to see who's the better team and how that team reacts when you are winning by a certain amount. Like that's, it's a dance, you know, it's that other team's job to show that they can do the dance and, and figure out how to defend and the way that you're playing and blah, blah. Um, and she's talked to me before about how she feels like some Americans are, can be soft in this regard. And so I think the history of the sport in each country is going to play a role in this. It's just one of those things, but it is one of those things that where I love that it's a small question posed on an Instagram that is a huge issue within the sport and plays a huge role in the mentality of a player. And these are the types of conversations I think it's important that coaches have. And I think too much, too much time is spent um, analyzing the tactical and technical side of the sport and not enough time analyzing this kind of stuff, um, which is why we bring this kind of stuff to the forefront. Any other last thoughts or, or things you guys want to add? Um, I do think if you're a coach listening, it's important to have these discussions with the parents and that the parents know your stance on this. Um, because as a teacher, again, this is an issue I have in the school, in the classroom. Um, there's a lot of parents who don't realize that their set of rules at home are different than the set of rules at school. And I think this is where there's a breakdown in youth sports and at the collegiate level sometimes where your parent might be giving you a different set of instructions than your coach. And this is one of those things where it's like, you all need to be on the same page in, in a way so that you can be the best, the, that the player can be the best that they can be. And the coach and the parent are a part of that team that make up your success. And I think it's, um, it's just important there's communication around it. Not necessarily that you all see eye to eye perfectly because you're all bringing again, your own, uh, experience to the table, but I do think that this is a breakdown I see on the sidelines of the youth game a lot, where you've got parents screaming, why are you scoring? Like, go to goal. Why are you, know, and that your coach might've given you a different set of instructions. Um, and then to also be aware of like, as a parent, like what to say to your child when they're watching a game 13-0 at the pro level um, and have this discussion more openly, not necessarily that you have to tell them, but Ask your daughter how she feels about that and give her both perspectives. I think it's important as parents, we always give both perspectives and let them make their decision and critically think about that, that topic. But giving your, your child the perspective of, you know, why it is patronizing, but also why it can feel demoralizing and all of those both sides, I think it's important. So um, if you guys don't have any anything else, we'll... Uh, we can stop there if, if that's all good. Um, these are discussions that we have on a regular basis in our coaches monthly meetings and our collegiate community uh, meetings. So if you are a college player looking to discuss these types of things, please make sure you join our college community meetings. The next one will be March 13th at 6 p.m. Um, if you are a coach, we will have our next coaches meeting coming up after that. And we discuss this type of stuff too. So we hope you join us. We also are gonna be giving a, a talk on March 26th for the US Soccer Foundation. Um, 
where we'll discuss a little bit about the female mindset and things like this. So we hope you join us. More information can be found on our, uh, our social media site. So thank you so much for listening and joining us today. And we hope to uh, have you join us next time. Thanks again. Thanks.